Am I on? Uh, okay. Really fast. Okay. It's been really hard trying to get this sermon together once again because, you know, classes and schooling and kids and people and loved ones and people that I care about. La, 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 la. <gasps> the sermon. Oh my gosh, the sermon. So anyway, so I kind of did this improv. So I'm just trying to like get myself bounced up here. And so the thing is, is that um, we did the we did the scripture on Matthew chapters 26 and 10. And then I discovered, wow, there's, I love John. Okay, I'm sorry. Maybe I'm biased, but I love John. So I went over to chapter 12 of John. And that's where I'm going to start because, um, you know, we, we need to really take a look at what this whole thing means right here. What this really, really, really means. And because of that, I would like to ask all of you, you know, when was the last time you were there? When was the last time you were there just kind of maybe reading the Bible and then just something came over you that said, wow, I really understand what it is to have humbleness. Because to have humbleness, what does that really mean? It really means that you're giving yourself away. You're having a sacrifice. You're having a sacrifice, something. So because of that, I had to sit there for a long time and ask myself, well, what does it mean for me to have humbleness? You know, and so when I when I started out, I started reading John chapter 12, and um, it, it's it's really profound. You know, the the whole understanding of the gospels is about what Jesus has done for us. You know, He came unto this world not to be manifested unto, but to manifest unto us. And that means so much. So if you can all turn with me to John chapter 12. And um, I'll go ahead and start reading. I know I can hear people turning their pages, so I will take my time. But, um, and this is in verse 1. So six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived in Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served, while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Here's the key thing. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with fragrance of perfume. you got to look back now. Who was Mary? If, if not, I'm sure most of us know what, who Mary was, who the Mary was at the, in this story. This is the Mary. This is the brother or the, the sister of Lazarus. Jesus had just rose Lazarus from the dead. Mary, before this, I believe, was thrown on the ground and said, this woman had sinned. What are you going to do about this? This woman had committed adultery. Jesus had already just pardoned her sin. So if we look back on who Mary was, Mary had so much thanks to give. Um, if, you, if you look back in John, just a little bit over, in verses 32, it says, When Mary reached... Uh, I'm sorry, John 11. Sorry, John 11 and 32. It says, Mary reached a place where Jesus saw him. She fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you have been there... My brother would have not died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. Where you have, where have you laid him, he asked. Come see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. The Jews said, we see how much he loved him. 
You know, Mary was even at the point where she would tell him, you know, you just healed a blind man that was born blind, but you can't save my brother? You know, when, when was the last time that you were there that when somebody came to you and said, hey, I'm having trouble, man. There's something wrong with this or my, my family is in, in pain. You know, did you ever think about, you know, now think about this for a minute. Now, Lazarus is dead. You know, the dead know nothing. You know, the only thing that Lazarus can do now is just pronounce how, glorif- how, gl- how glorified Jesus is and how wonderful he is. But he knows nothing else. Ellen White speaks it. That, you know, even though that people were amazed of the amazing thing that Jesus had done, he's dead. <laughs> Did anybody ever take time to praise him? To give Lazarus their love while he was there? Did anyone ever give the time to forget themselves for a moment? You know? When was the last time you were there? When Jesus, Jesus pardoned all her sins, this gave Mary the huge, enormous weight on her, on her heart. So she comes into this place, into... This, into um, into this, into Simon's house, and there's Martha sitting there, and all these other people are sitting there. And she took the time to buy this perfume. All she had on her mind was that she knew, she heard that Jesus was going to die. She heard him say that I'm going to be dead soon. She wanted to praise him before he died. She wanted to remind herself and everybody else around her what it was to enjoy her, her Lord and Savior before it was too late. Have you ever thought about maybe humbling yourself like that sometimes? You know, you never know when your loved one's going to be gone. You never know when the next day is going to be, that it's going to be your last. When was the, when was the last time you were there to spend that time to forget about yourself. What is this? What is the opposite of love? Selfishness. Amen. You know, there's a lot of things that Jesus came into this world for, but the most important thing that He came into this world to show is that He forgot about Himself. And here, Mary did the same thing for Him. And she broke open this perfume and she started laying it on his feet. And what happens? Everybody there starts smelling this fragrance. Now, because of what Mary had been through before, she's already predestined. People have already stamped her. She's a harlot. She's a hooker. She's a whore. What is she even doing here? Who was the first person to even start noticing this? was Judas. Why? Because Judas was the financial economy financier. Exactly. You know? Why is this woman sitting here wasting all this money when she could have gave it to the poor? How dare her? You know, and Jesus started noticing this and he started seeing, you know, the people's eyes started raising and people were starting to get really upset about this and he could see in Mary, she started reclusing and she started... You know, she thought, oh my gosh, even Martha's going to be upset. Even maybe even Jesus is going to be upset with me. What have I done? 
And he says, no, stop. Leave her alone. It was intended that she should save the perfume on the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. When was the last time you were there? To come to this conclusion and go, ah, ah, that's what Jesus was all about. You know, I, I regret this. I was coming down here and it was raining and I'm flying by and I got box and bags, you know, because I'm, you know, I'm staying at people's houses and all and, and, uh, and there's a guy hitchhiking. Oh, but before I come by, there's a truck that comes. He's, he's ahead of me. And he hits this puddle of water. And it splashes. And it hits the guy. And I fly by. And I, I couldn't stop. And the poor guy is like, you know, he's all in blue. And now he's in dark blue because he's wet. You know? And I'm thinking, oh, I know. And I always pick up hitchhikers. And I drove by. Oh, and I thought, you know, later on I was like, man... I should have picked that guy up. That's really a big bummer. But what starts happening here? Is that everyone starts grumbling. And Judas starts letting people know that, you know, we, sh- we should have gave this to the poor. And Jesus told them, no, 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 no. No, she had she had better intentions. She, she knew exactly what she was doing. And that, that relieved... That relieved her of all her sins. She felt so much better about that. If you turn to uh, to John chapter 13, you can further on to another story. And this is where it comes down to, you know, um, Jesus washing, you know, the disciples' feet. And um, in that story... It says that um, it was just before the fa- the, pe- uh, the, fe- uh, the feast for the Passover. Now, in this time, in the, it was custom that you know Jesus would uh, would come. Oh, and that's a whole other thing. I totally forgot. You know, through all this too, as as Jesus is is done with uh, his uh, his feast over at Simon's house, well, it, he even gets even more humble about this because here people are ready to crown him. And what does he do? If you look, I'm sorry, real fast, it's a little sidebar. He comes in and it's in the triumphal entry in, in John chapter 12, verses, verses 12, that blessed is the king. Well, actually, it's in 14. Jesus is found on a young donkey. Remember now, everybody thought that the Messiah was going to come with a sword and we're going to take over Jerusalem and we're going to destroy the Romans and they weren't going to be oppressed anymore. They were going to put this crown of gold on him and raise him up. And he comes in on a donkey. What human would do that? Nobody would, you know? Jesus is just incredible. It's incredible how we look at how we look at our humbleness, and it's really hard to maybe eliminate our selfishness, you know. But God has a different plan. He turns everything upside down, you know, giving Himself first, making sure that He's the servant, you know. How else is He going to show um, the disciples? 
Or how else is he going to show any of us what we're supposed to do if he doesn't do it himself first? I learned that when I was a supervisor in a warehouse. Is that, you know, I'm not going to get any productivity going with any of 27 of these guys unless I'm over there picking orders with them. Unless I'm sitting there getting in the muck with them, getting dirty with them. Nobody's going to have my loyalty unless I do that. Um, but anyways, that was the sidebar. Anyways, so in, um, in, in, in 13, um, the evening meal was being served. This is in, in verse 2 in John chapter 13. And the devil had already prompted Judas. Okay, and so um, there was a lot of things going on here. Um, there, was, there was supposed to be servants in this house. There was supposed to have been, um, you know, I guess an order. The, the disciples were becoming so understood that they were disciples of the, the, the Messiah that they wanted some kind of order. So you had at this table, you had, you, had, uh, you had Judas on one side. Why? Because once again, you know, Judas wants to show everybody that he's the top dog, that he runs the finances. And even though he's running the finances, he's dipping into the people's, the poor boxes and taking from the poor. But he's going to show everybody that he's the one that's most important of the disciples. And all the disciples believe that as well. They think that he's the best. He's the top dog. So naturally, Judas is going to be there in the front sitting right, and he makes sure he's close, tight knit right with Jesus. And then, and so on and so on it goes with the, the, the row of the disciples that they sit around Jesus, but there's no servants. And so, you know, it's really customary when these guys come in and they sit down, you know, somebody needs to wash their feet. And these guys are so overwhelmed with their discipleship. They forgot all about this. And Jesus notices this. But Jesus recognizes Judas the most. Because Judas is the one that's going to betray Jesus. And Jesus just wants to win his heart before he dies. Because he knows that Judas is going to die. He knows how Judas is going to die. But he wants to show Judas... how love is really supposed to be even at his death before Jesus dies. So all the disciples are looking at each other going, I'm not going to wash your feet. I'm not going to wash your feet. I'm not doing this. No way. So they're all looking at each other going, uh-uh. And of course, Judas is, is appalled about the whole idea. And Jesus is sitting there silently watching this, watching this display happen. And he gets up and he takes off his robe and he puts on his little towel garment and sits down and starts washing their feet. Most of them are shocked. They're like, oh, wait a minute, this is, this is okay, we'll, we'll let this happen. Judas is upset. He's upset with the whole idea. Now Satan has entered him so far into his mind and into his soul that now he knows that this isn't the Messiah. No way. The king of the Jews would not do such a thing as lower himself before his servants. Absolutely not. It's unheard of. And so because of this, Judas is completely convinced that what he's doing next, the third meeting with the priests, that it will be his reward. 
And so he convinces himself through the help of his, his, uh, his adversary, Satan, that no, I, I can't believe that my, 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 uh, my so-called Messiah is doing this. But he allows him to do it. And so who's the last one to get their foot washed? It's John. John's the last one. But in between all that, there's Peter. And Peter's the one that's always got the biggest mouth. He's always got the one that speaks out the most. And he doesn't fail this time either. Even in the part where you would just be shocked to see, you know, the person that you, not the person, but the entity, the the being that is going to be your Lord and Savior doing such an appalling thing that just we weren't raised to do. This is just not normal. And Peter goes, hey, wait a minute. What are you doing? Why are you doing this? What does Jesus tell him? A person who has a bath needs only to wash his feet. The whole body is clean. You are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew that someone was going to betray him. Do you not realize what I am doing? You don't realize what I'm doing, but later you will understand. And Peter tells him, no, you shall never wash my feet. Unless I wash your feet, you will have no part of me. What does that mean to you? When was the last time you were there to do that for somebody else? When he was finished washing his feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. And I'm sure they were all just like looking around going, oh, this, this is absurd. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you shall and you should wash one's another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master. It's an amazing feat that I, I'm just so blessed to see all you guys here right now. Because we're going to take off our shoes and we're going to smell our stinky feet and we're going to wash our feet. That is so humiliating. All right? I took a shower this morning, so. But I forgot my old socks, so I have these older socks. <laughs> but that in itself is just humbling. In itself, you know, if you, even, I want to say this to the visitors out there, you know, that are just experiencing this and observing and trying to maybe find the Lord, you know, or trying to figure out what it's all about. This is what it's all about. Humbleness. Coming, even if you feel like you should be humbled upon, first humble upon somebody else. You take the first step so the Lord can show you what it is to be an example so you can be ready to feel that humbleness. That's what Jesus tried to do for these guys. In the, in the Desire of Ages in page 646, Ellen White put this really, really good. It's not humiliating to the master to allow him to work 
for our purification. The truest humility is to receive with thankful heart and provisions made with on our behalf with the earnest to do service for Christ. In other words, whatever we do, we do because Jesus shown us. Not because we have to. It's because Jesus sat down with these guys and he sits down with us every day. And he does the same thing for us. I don't know how much time I had because I you know what? I did this total improv. But I, I the other night, like I said, you know, I was really, 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 really busy, and I tried really, really, really hard, and that's okay, you know. It's not about what how hard I tried, but you know, throughout the night, you know, the midnight oil was burning. I, you know, just something came over me, and I thought, you know, I'm going to write a poem, and I did. Um. So I'm going to I'm going to say this poem, and then I'm going to leave it up to you guys. But before I say this, I just want you guys to understand that uh, this is probably the most purest form of selflessness that you can do before you walk outside this church. I think it kind of leaves yourself an imprint to be an example and not be so afraid to be humble to everybody else out there. You know, allowing somebody else to just um, show this um, example of what it is to have to let somebody else wash your feet. It seems such a small little thing, but it's really embarrassing. Hairy toes, <laughs> you know, jagged toenails. You know, I'm thinking practically here. But you know, if you look at it spiritually, it's very, very humbling. And all you can do is say, thank you, Jesus. Because you know what? If I can get past this, there's so much more I can do out there. You know? When was the last time you were reading through the good book and you were filled with His Spirit? And halfway through, you had a second look. With your eyes filled with tears, you could clearly hear it. The gas, the shocks on the disciples' lips. With fear and arrangement, in amazement that their Savior would do this, to take off his crown before everyone's eyes, to bow down and watch even the one who demise. When was the last time that you were there to open perfume? And wash his feet with your hair. To give yourself entirely to a person in need. To do something for one of them. You have done for him indeed. When was the last time that you were there? When you closed your eyes. After reading the good book. To realize the importance of the sacrifice he took. These words may be simple. Nothing more plain. But humble yourself, I ask of you, in the glory of his name. Give yourself joyfully and don't be ashamed. For he told this all to the disciples to all do the same. But he did this first to them. 
and did it with care to prove to them all the love that they all share. So when is the last time that you felt the wind skim across your hair and tears roll down your cheek because you realized at your feet he has always been there. And then Jesus said in verse 17 in chapter 13, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. With that, I'll uh, close the good book and just ask you guys one more time. When's it going to be the next time that you'll be there? God bless you.